on today's episode. To be passionate then is the first thing when you're building a community, when you're thinking about a community. Because if you're not passionate about it, if you don't really care about it, why do you want it? And if you don't want it, then it's not a community. You know, it can't just be a one-way street. And, you know, at the core, community, it's like a circle, if you want to look at it that way. It's, it's, you know, we all are giving and taking from one another, and it's very reciprocal. It's not just, you know, professors giving to us and we're giving back. Like, it's we're all in this together. It takes a lot of courage for a student to be able to have um, a, a rapport, a relationship, a communication with a professor. And that being said, that's what we want to do, right? Even though it takes bravery and courage, that's exactly what we want to do is we want to walk into that with imagining the opportunity for it. And so my recommendations to students would be um, to, to try. Did you know that William & Mary has 500 student organizations? Some would say that's too many. Not us. All this and more on this week of the Steely Podcast, talking about community. community. Hello, listener. Close your eyes. Take a deep breath. And imagine sitting with us here at this long table. In the swim basement. All holding hands and thinking about how we can build community. Community. each other. Community. This episode is all about how community manifests itself in the school environment in which we find ourselves here at William & Mary. What are the building blocks of community? How do we make community here and after we graduate? And how is our community meaningful to each member of our community? So, dive on into community with us. Um, Alright, so, hi, I'm Claire Hogan. Hi, I'm Katie Shinas. And hi, I'm Grace Helmick. And we're all student partners here at the Studio for Teaching and Learning Innovation, a.k.a. Steely. And we're going to have a discussion today about community and education and what that means to us. So, Katie, what does community mean to you in what? your education? What does community mean to me? <laughs> oh, what a great question, Claire. Um, I mean, here's the thing. Humans are social creatures. We, The reason we have survived is because we come together and we do things together you unfortunately know? sometimes yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but so i mean it, i feel like because i don't know i feel like we kind of define ourselves by the fact that we love each other the, that's what makes us human the fact that we come together Aww. but also the fact that we like <laughs> learn and we're curious like i feel like those are two incredibly human things is being together and trying to figure out what the heck is happening in the world around us and who the heck we are and so I feel like when you talk about community and education, they're kind of some of the most fundamental human things. Like, they kind of are what bring us above kind of like the baseness of, hu of existence. <laughs> the raw animal you know? instincts of humanity. <laughs> right. I mean, it's kind of what really drives us as a species and what drives us as a you know global community. So... Mm. I don't know. This maybe is just me like waxing poetic over here, but I don't know. I feel like when you come into a learning environment and that doesn't even have to be a college, like you learn in all areas of life, whenever you come together with other people to learn, I think that is like, that's like what we were kind of made for. 
as people. And so it's been really exciting to spend these last few years at an institution of learning and really like finding my people, um, you know, as, you know, dicey as the fact that we are tribe is, the sentiment behind it and the fact that people all come together, I really do appreciate about this place. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, actually. Um, in my Native Studies of Latin American course that I've been taking um, with uh, Dr. Fisher, we've actually been talking a lot about community and uh, what that uh, word means from like an anthropological perspective. And, you know, we in the Western Hemisphere use uh, the word community a lot. You know, we say the business community, mm-hmm. the academic community, um, you know, we use it as an identifier. And, you know, community has this kind of implication of uh, reciprocal, uh, like, benefits as well as, like, also interconnectedness in that, you know, in a community, you are serving one another, you are working together, and you also are all gathered around uh, something that you have defined as what is identifying your community. And so I think especially within the academic context or within the academic community, um, I used air quotes, but you guys can't see that. Um, <laughs> you get it. You get it. Uh, within the academic community, what we're centering ourselves around and what we're coming together and identifying um, ourselves around is um, education and is learning as an experience. And so I think that when it comes to community, it's so important that we do have this you know, idea of, you know, I'm going to help you and you're going to help me and we're going to work together uh, because that in, in, at, like at its very basic level is what a community is. Hmm. And, and when you're thinking about like the William and Mary community and the community that we have here, what do you see your role as in this community? Entertainment. <laughs> I, know, I, I mean, just go around one. and I say my silly little words. You're the court jester. I am the court jester at William and Mary. Yeah, I feel like that's like a much more loaded question than maybe you intended it to be because I, I feel know. like <laughs> I feel like, you know, within the William and Mary community, there are so many different communities like in which, you know, as students, we have different roles. I mean, I would say there's the Steely community mm-hmm. in which, you know, we are working together with faculty and, you know, we're focusing in on media, on technology, on innovation uh, within the classroom. There's also within our extracurriculars as students. Um, I'm involved in an improv group, so I, I'm a part of the comedy community, if you will. You know, and even within academics, you know, you've got the humanities community. You've mm. also got the STEM community. So I feel like there's so many roles that we all identify with, and there's so many, like, micro communities that we all are a part of. It's kind of hard to put it underneath the umbrella of, like, one community at William & Mary. You know, yeah. how, do we, how do we put a label on that? How do we define ourselves within that? I think that's a really good point because I think like William and Mary, because of our emphasis on liberal arts and because of the crazy people that go here, everybody does so many different (laughs) things that we're just part of like, so you're right, we're part of so many different like overlapping circles of community. And so it really depends on like what sphere you're in at that specific moment Mm -hmm. in time. Have you ever felt like a sense of community between yourself and any of your professors, any of your instructors? Yeah, I, I definitely, uh, thinking back, I feel like there have been instances where, and it, it usually is when a professor goes out of their way mm. to connect with the students, um, that I find that there's an especially strong sense of community. Mm. Um, I find that when professors are willing to have conversations that maybe go slightly off topic, but are pertinent to whatever the students are interested in, 
or that when professors decide to create assignments or, you know, create projects that are centered around like student interest within the field, or even when professors go out of their way just to strike up conversations with students as they walk into a classroom or after they're leaving, I find that that's where the strongest sense of community has been established in my time at William & Mary. Mm. Um, I've had professors who have been very adamant that, and of course these are in like smaller classroom settings, that all the students know each other's names as well as a little bit about each other. And, you know, at first I was kind of like, oh man, I have to like memorize all these names and all these (laughs) fun facts about people. But as the semester went on, I really appreciated that um, this professor, uh, Jen Taylor, that she had done this because as a result, um, we all kind of got to know each other really well. And we all like felt like we could talk to one another. And there wasn't just this, oh, you're like this person in class. I don't really know anything about you. And so I feel like when I look back on my time, like community is established when we go out of our way to reach others and to make an effort to get to know one another, to understand where we're coming from. And also get make an effort to know what we're interested in and how we can collectively work together um, on this like education journey, if you will. But I do think it also goes both ways because I, you know, I, I see a lot of professors making an effort to reach out to students. Earlier this week, um, Peter and I had a conversation with Drew Stelgis, and we were talking about how within a community, yes, you know, a professor can go out of their way to talk to students and to try to make that effort. But it's also really important for students to you know, go to office hours to try to be present in classroom settings and to try to give their all too, because, you know, it can't just be a one-way street. And, you know, at the core community, it's like a circle, if you want to look at it that way. It's, it's, you know, we all are giving and taking from one another and it's very reciprocal. It's not just, you know, professors giving to us and we're giving back. Like it's, we're all in this together. And now, here's Grace and Peter interviewing Drew Stelgis. Stelgis, <laughs> uh, My name is Drew Stelgis, and I have had the pleasure of working at William & Mary for 22 years. Uh, I serve as the Associate Vice President for Student Engagement and Leadership, and I teach courses out of the William & Mary Washington Center. You know, we're in a period of, of time, both in uh, William & Mary and across the nation, where uh, trust in institutions is frayed. Uh, and... There's been a lead up to that, leading up to the pandemic. This isn't. This wasn't something that was struck just because of the pandemic. But the trust in institutions is really frayed, and so you want to start off first by thinking about how do you build or restore trust. And researchers sort of share with us that how you build trust is by, in part, showing up in the moments when things really matter. And so, for example, trust is built among friends when you see your friend show up for you when you are at your worst or when you see a friend uh, show up when god forbid some someone in your family has passed away and they attend the funeral or it's trust is built when they show up and know things or details that are important to you but you didn't think they were really going to be important to that person Uh, recognizing that for example if you're a middle school kid and your friend recognizes that you're being uh, taken advantage of, or you're being bullied, and they take good care of you. That's how trust is built. Uh, and so trust then leads to this, this willingness and an ability to express emotion, to be emotional with one another. And that, that expression of emotion leads to the ability to empathize. And we can talk a whole lot about what empathy is, but it's just the 
the intentional ability and the to feel how others are feeling and we can go into more detail with that as well but i think trust is where it's where it starts i think you hit on a key point you know this moment within our nation and just you know even kind of it's been a long build-up you know there isn't a lot of trust you know and especially in light of a lot of uncertainty that's been our catchphrase for the past year and a half um, I think a lot of us are wondering, you know, where do we place our trust and, you know, how can we build that back up? Um, and so I think it is important that when it comes to building community, when it comes to reestablishing that trust, that we do look to empathy first and that we do start showing up for one another. And that, you know, I can see how that is so important to, you know, creating that trust that is so crucial to building back up the community that in many ways we've lost um, just due to the external circumstances that have just been plaguing our, our world for the past year and a half. Um, you know, as a professor, you formed some amazing bonds with your students. Um, and so I, I would love to hear more about, you know, what, what is your secret uh, when it comes to empathy? You know, you kind of hinted that you had more to say on that. Does that play into how you teach and how you connect with your students? Thanks for that. That's a, a high compliment to say that, you know, we've, I've been able to form good re- relationship and, and rapport with students. Um, I think that for me, the strategy that works is to, you know, to certainly bring myself to class. And so, you know, the beginning of the semester is really important to develop uh, that rapport and relationship. And it's important for me to be able to share a little bit about my personhood, about who I am and about what I believe in and what I value uh, so that we can start to build a sense of community in the classroom. And that gives, uh, hopefully gives all the students the space to the extent that they're comfortable to share some of that as well. So if I know you and if I look you in the eye and I really feel like I know a little bit about who you are, first of all, I have a, a connection to you, but also it's going to be a little bit harder for me to um, be, be upset with you. Uh, so I'm starting to build that sense of, of rapport or trust with you because I know who you are. I know where you come from. I know maybe what's maybe motivating you, but I also know some of the things that you might be afraid of. And oftentimes that fear of something, of the possible, is part of the reason that people respond with a big and intense emotional response to something that you know that, that really could be they, for the reason of that they maybe are scared or concerned about something. And do you think having like a stronger or at least like a more like stable relationship between professor and student like having that kind of rapport do you think that like has ever negatively affected a student's like learning ability in class do you think there's kind of like only positives like do you think there's any correlation at all between like how a professor and student get along and how well that student performs in the class Mm. well a couple things to that i would say certainly is just just like any good relationship, you want to be able to set boundaries. And I think of it, let me start by sharing what I would say is in sort of a personal relationship and how you set boundaries, whether that's with a friendship or a loved one. Uh, you, the, the boundaries that you're setting is that you, know, you, you respect yourself, I respect you, um, and we're, we're going, coming into this with a respectful relationship. And so the boundaries that you set as a professor and a student in some ways are sort of self-created. You know that there is a syllabus. The syllabus serves as both the contract uh, for what I have to provide to you so that you learn the most and the best that you can. And, it, and, it, and it's also um, 
it's our roadmap. And I'm also saying to you that as a result of me putting this together, I've developed a plan. And the plan is going to get us from A to Z. It's going to get us all these learning objectives are going to be completed as a result. And so in some ways, it starts with this idea that I've worked really hard to try to give you an experience that, is, that meets your high standards because you are here to get the best possible education you can. And it's my responsibility, and it's a high responsibility, for me to figure out a way for you to succeed in the course. And it starts with that learning contract and that roadmap. And you've meant you mentioned a bit just now about like the work that you put in with like the syllabus and mm-hmm. kind of the the lengths that you go to to kind of like establish that kind of relationship. Are there steps a student can take on their side of um, things, like on their end of the relationship, to kind of create more interaction with professors, and so like they can foster that kind of rapport on their end? Yeah, that's 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 a brave question, and and I want to say it in that frame it in that perspective. Is it takes a lot of courage for a student to be able to have um, a, a rapport, a relationship, a communication with a professor. And that being said, that's what we want to do, right? Even though it takes bravery and courage, that's exactly what we want to do. Is we want to walk into that with imagining the opportunity for it. And so my recommendations to students would be. Um, to, to try, to try that. I mean, I remember so vividly when I was an undergraduate uh, being so enthralled with this uh, professor I had, and after about a month's time in his class, I really wanted to get to know him better, and I was incredibly nervous to go to his office hours. But I did it because the, the interest in getting to know him better, both his academic interest and his, his personal interests, overrode the fear of the possibility of me being turned away. And it was a, you know, it was an office hour that, that sincerely changed my life because he gave me both some confidence and also a toolkit uh, to imagine what my life could look like and how I could, myself could be, could work in higher education as well. And so I would start off by saying to students is, is to be brave and to have, be willing to have that conversation uh, to show up, obviously, and when I say show up in class, I mean show up both physically and intellectually and emotionally to the very best you can each and every day. There is no doubt about it that each and every one of us bring into any setting, whether it's a work setting or an academic setting, the different things that are going on in our lives right now. And yet, if you can find ways to sort of control that emotion, that heavy emotion that you might be experiencing before you walk into the classroom and say, it's here, that sadness that I'm experiencing, that anger that I'm feeling, the anxiety that it's palpable is here. And for the next 50 minutes or hour and a half, whatever long the class is, I'm gonna do the very best I can to leave it in the hallway or leave it back in my dorm room or leave it in my apartment so that I can bring the very best I can to the classroom. Recognizing fully that I'm gonna have to go back to it, that there are gonna be emotions that I'm gonna have to work through afterward. But in that moment, I will make to the best I can, I will show up and make that course and that class my priority. I would also say that not every one of us, we're all human, not every one of us is really naturally gifted or, or, or professionally practiced at having good conversations. Conversation takes time and it is an art that takes time and practice. And so to give 
you know, to give a professor who may be a little clunky in that a little bit of, of grace and try a second time if it didn't go too well the first time. Those are a couple of suggestions I would have. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And I think when I look back on like some of the most memorable like moments that I've had in my time here, um, and I'm a senior now, it's been in moments and in classrooms where I have felt that communication can be open, uh, where the professor is willing to communicate and willing to have conversations, even if it's maybe not about the lesson plan. You know, if it takes a different direction, they're willing to go with that. Uh, and their, their door is always open. Um, and, you know, also when students are willing to be honest and open about where they're at. And so I guess uh, a follow-up question with that is, you know, what is your advice for other professors? How can faculty members um, help to make the classroom a place that students feel like it can be an environment where communication is open you know, yes, there are those healthy boundaries in place, um, but it's a place where learning can take place, where there's no fear for, you know, being wrong, uh, where there's a place where communication is happening, where empathy is present, um, and where learning is occurring. Well, when I was first starting teaching about 15 years ago, um, a, a mentor of mine shared with me that the reality is that right now my my toolkit is is not empty but it's shallow and the toolkit is the the tools that you can use when the unexpected occur the the only thing we can expect is that there's going to be an unexpected meaning a student's going to ask a question that you might not have a, a, a good response for or students will want to take the 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 class in a certain direction if you're going to open it up for discussion or you have a guest speaker who introduces new topics that you weren't weren't planning for and as you go on your toolkit gets fuller and fuller because you've had more and more experiences and so first i would say for for faculty members who are newer is to recognize and honor that you know your toolkit will get fuller with experience and at least in the beginning is to have somebody who's an informal coach who can be there for you after class or even as you prepare to help to kind of mentor you through some of those possibilities. And that's all to say that when you walk into a classroom, you wanna, you're going to be able to share your expertise and you're gonna be, you wanna be able to say to the students in the class that this is an opportunity for all of us to learn together, right? It's a learning experience. It's a learning adventure. It's a journey of learning over the next X number of weeks and that I think that sort of pulls down the veil of authority and sort of creates it creates the possibility of curating something together so we're going to go on a learning journey we're just going to be an experience together those are some of the things that I think you could do as you get you know further along in your career I think you start to develop whatever works for you it becomes your own way of most effectively teaching and learning and all that to be said places like the studio for teaching and learning innovation are essential in a liberal arts setting because we are constantly iterating reiterating on how to be the best possible teachers that we can we can because we're reimagining our courses each and every semester the steely podcast students and teachers and community together uh, hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Steely Podcast. I'm Grace. I'm Peter. And today we're going to be having a conversation around... Community. community. <laughs> <laughs> and clearly we're establishing a thing 
where we're going to have to say it together every time it's mentioned out of solidarity. Yes, because that's what a conversation about community community needs to be. So I guess just to get things started. About what? About community. community, um, Especially on this campus. I feel like a lot of people choose William & Mary specifically for the community. Community. And for some reason, the community Community. on William & Mary's campus stands out um, and opposed to other campuses' communities. And so I'm kind of curious, Peter, if in your time here, there's like a reason to you maybe why, or is there a reason that you picked William & Mary? I definitely ended up picking William & Mary because of the community community and... um, Really, I think, because I remember when I was going to, like, tour different places, I came down to William & Mary, and I think it was, like, I knew that the campus was small, and I think sometimes that's, like, a a negative for people, like, how small the campus is, but really, I think, like, because we're so small, especially, like, we, like, the comedy group that Grace and I are in recently uh, traveled up to JMU this past weekend to do some workshops with their comedy groups, and what we noticed almost immediately was just how huge their campus is. Like, it's really spread out all across the city. And we, like, compared to, like, William & Mary, where, like, everything is at most, like, I would say the two ends of campus are, like, at most, like, 25 minutes away from each other walking. Like, it kind of surprises me just because I think something I picked up my freshman year was, like, if I'm walking anywhere, I will inevitably run into somebody I know sometimes, like, even two or three people, just because, like, in a campus this size, it's kind of inevitable that you will, like, eventually get to at least know of everybody, at least from a visual standpoint. Like, you might not know their name, but, like, you've seen their face around a lot. Because that's the kind of Community. community that we have here. And it's not just because, like, the campus is small, but it's because, like, we have both huge classes and small classes, and we ta- we uh, we talked about that a bit last week when we were talking about you know teaching and learning and the methodology that is also known as pedagogy. Try again. The pedagogy. Me- there we go. That's a, that's a that's called a throwback. It's or a, no, it's no, called it's a callback. callback. I'm Grace. sorry. <laughs> Grace is tired. Call. Grace drove a lot this weekend and slept very little. She did, but then again, that's not. Don't act like that's unique to this past weekend. You, that's like one of your trademarks is constantly driving and not sleeping. Insomnia. <laughs> because Grace doesn't know how to take care of herself. No, Grace likes to do a lot of fun things, and Grace would rather work than sleep. Yeah, <laughs> and if Grace likes, well, if you like to do fun things, then why are you vegan? Oh, that's that's just a little blow. Anyways, um, so moving back to our conversation about community. community. What you guys are missing is, like, whenever I'm not talking, I am staring directly at Grace to get any form of signal of when she's about to say community. 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 <laughs> Community. Community. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, I think something for me that is so special about William & Mary's community Community. is the relationship between not only the students on campus, but also the students and faculty. Um, A lot of students that I talk to who go to other schools, they don't know their advisors. 
They don't know their professors that well. They're just kind of faces that stand at a board and lecture. But I feel like on our campus, we really get to know our professors if you want to. Like, there's so many opportunities for you to be able to reach out and connect with the faculty here in a way that's meaningful. Um, I've had professors host classes outside on the Sunken Gardens, and they've brought their dogs, and we've gotten to, like, pet their dogs and, like, talk to them. And it kind of, like, humanizes them, because I feel like in a lot of ways we tend to be like, oh, professors... They eat, sleep, and drink. Pedagogy. And that's it. Um, But they're actually humans, and they actually have families and lives, and that blew blew my mind. Um, But I feel like that's something so special about the community. Oh, comunidad. Yeah. La comunidad. Sina, you don't know what to do. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Uh, En el campo de William and Mary... Now we're a bilingual podcast. <laughs> the La Comunidad of William and Mary is really special for that reason. Um, you've got this uh, relationship between students and faculty, as well as students and other students that I feel like you just don't get on other campuses. There's such an element of collaboration with student groups and organizations. In fact, I found out this past week that per capita, William and Mary has the most student organizations Uh, I believe in the United States, uh, we have over 500 student organizations. In comparison, JMU has only 300, and they are like four or five times our size. Uh, So we are really big on community community here at William & Mary, and I think it shows. I was walking (laughs) over here to swim. I was just dreaming of Mike Bloom. And then when I walked in to Steely... He appeared. Somebody passed me a me. plastic baggie, and it was just quotes from my <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have some wise words from our very own Mike Bloom. We were so desperate <laughs> yeah. for to drink from the fountain of wisdom. <laughs> that, that is Mike that Bloom. That we were willing to, to go, go <laughs> to go five feet that way and interview Mike Bloom. <laughs> he wasn't my first choice, but we got Mike we- Bloom on. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the Dalai Lama wasn't available, so he called in Mike. <laughs> I'm totally out of my depth already. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Am I am I in charge? <laughs> you said go ahead. Mike, we're collectively in charge. This is a This is a co-op. But he said go ahead. Like, is there an agenda? You're talking about community. We're you have some words of wisdom, apparently. Oh, okay. I don't want to be confused about what we're doing. Let it be. Well, yeah. (laughs) I feel feel so much pressure. (laughs) I do feel a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. I feel a lot of pressure. It's the star of the show. How can we help you? Yeah, as a community, can we help you? Can we support you? So, you know, I don't have any particular tips on building community that, that I the thing is, com- a community is an individual organism. It is its own thing. It exists outside of any individual. That's the thing about a community, right? And so how do you, how do you harness that? How do you actually affect that community? It's not an easy, it's not an easy question. I think that, I think it puts too much focus on the the fostering of community um 
why am I fostering this community? Why am I building this community? And, you know, to, to be passionate then is the first thing when you're building a community, when you're thinking about a community. Because if you're not passionate about it, if you don't really care about it, why do you want it? And if you don't want it, then it's not a community. You can't uh, force it. You can't force it. No, and you have to you have to bring it. You have to be in the moment all the time. And if that moment benefits from community, then I think that's fantastic. But you know, I want to share the enthusiasm. That's my community. That's my reason for community, sharing that enthusiasm for something. Um sharing my interest in something, sharing my questions about something. Um, I don't want a community for community's sake. I mean, I could. I could have friends, but then that's a different thing that I'm doing, right? I'm creating a friend circle. Um, but from an academic perspective, that community has to come from a desire to, to inquire together, I think. It was interesting to hear you say that you don't want a community for community's sake because I think that's something that higher education is always trying to get away from because we have a very strong flux of students. Every single year we lose a quarter of our students and gain uh, another quarter of, of new members of our community. And then it's like it's this constant cycle of trying to keep our community, build our community, and and make it a better community for everyone. Um, and I think that that can, that process can often show the ways in which our community is, is doing well or needs to be improved. I'm also interested because I think something else that you said that stuck with me is, you know, obviously not creating community for community's sake. So then, you know, how do we make sure we don't breach like exclusivity and creating a space where it feels like either you know you're in it or you're out of it based off of your interest you know like how do we create a space that feels inclusive and feels open but yet is you know a bunch of individuals that share passions and that you know can have a space to express those things and is it like a fine line to navigate no, that's 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 great. Um, I think that that's that's exactly right. Do people want to be part of that community? Is my question because I'm I'm a member of many different communities and I have I have different roles in all of those communities. I have different interests in what that what the shape of that thing looks like when we all get together. When I'm with you, when we were just together talking, we were in community right there. We were together. We became this third thing. We're now something different that we are we all are that will never be again but that's kind of that's kind of the point um, but the thing that we have here I think is where we we have a goal a common goal and if you if your goal is served by having a diverse group of people which I think all almost all goals are served by having diversity diverse voices in your community, I can't think of any goals that are not served by hearing from, from everyone and ha giving people open access. But, th but that 
I think that goal sometimes is the center of the reason for a community. Like, what, what, why are we here? We're here today to create a podcast. Uh, so that's our that's our community's purpose for right now. Um, but what's our larger goal? Why do we all get together? Um, okay, part of the reason why we all get together is because we need to get together to earn a living and to get an education and to do all of those things. So we want to feel like we're part of a community. Um, but we're all doing it for very individual reasons as well. So to recognize that, I don't know if it's important to recognize it, but I recognize it. This is the Steely Podcast. Students and teachers learning together. Do they make sunglasses for your third eye? <laughs> Just one lens. Dear listener, at the beginning of this podcast, I asked you to please close your eyes and join us to think about community. Now it's time to say goodbye, and I'd like you to slowly open your eyes back up. Look around you and enjoy the communities you find yourself in today. And if you are listening while driving, we are not liable for any crashes you may have caused. Goodbye. Follow us online at stli.wm.edu or follow us at Steely Podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. Are those really the, the handles? Yeah.